Welcome back to Between the Lines. Peter LaRuffa here. Hey, before I get started with this episode, I just want to thank you if you did listen to the last episode and prayed for the fundraising banquet that I was headed to that day for New Hope Center. Uh, the banquet was an incredible time of fellowship and hearing what the Lord had done in different people's lives and through the ministry of New Hope Center since the last banquet. And we were able to, by God's grace, raise more than we've ever raised before, over $157,000. So we're just overwhelmed by the goodness of the Lord uh, in giving us that much money through people's generosity and uh, their gracious giving. So thank you so much for praying for that. It does uh, fall short of what we were hoping to get, which was $175,000, but there's always additional donations that roll in in the days that follow, the days and weeks that follow the banquet. Uh, But if you are interested at all, in helping us with any amount to reach our goal of $175,000. Log on to newhopecenter.com for more information on how you can give and uh, for more information about the ministry. I think you'll be very pleased with what you find there. We're in the middle of a series of podcast episodes concerning baptism, and what I'm doing is I'm working through the points of application that I made in a sermon that I preached back in May on baptism. And this is part three of that series. And so far, we've covered four points of application. Point number one was baptism does not save us from our sins. Point two, baptism does symbolize our salvation. Point number three was baptism is not necessary for salvation. Point number four, baptism is normative in the New Testament. Today, we're going to look at points five and six. Point number five was baptism is not for babies. I want to read to you something from the Westminster Confession of Faith on the perspicuity of the scriptures. Perspicuity of scripture or the clarity of scripture is an important doctrine that um, Protestant Christians believe. And it says this, uh, concerning the perspicuity of scripture, those things which are necessary to be known, believed, and observed for salvation are so clearly propounded and opened in some place of scripture or other that not only the learned, but the unlearned in a due use of the ordinary means may attain unto a sufficient understanding of them. Basically, what it's saying is that which we need to know, provided that our Lord opens our eyes and ears and hearts to truth, can be plainly known and plainly seen within the scriptures without having uh, diving deep into and looking in between the lines of scripture to find out its true meaning. The clarity of scripture is an important doctrine and biblical interpretive principle uh, for historical Protestants and for us today as well. However, it is a bit uh, mind-boggling to me that in the same confession of faith that talks about how clear the scriptures are and how what we need to know can be clearly seen that even the unlearned can understand it, then also makes a case for paedo-baptism. Paedo-baptism is the baptizing of infants or the baptizing of children. Simply put, there is no uh, biblical example of children being baptized. Uh, No, let me back up. There's no biblical example of anybody being baptized apart from making a profession of faith or apart from repentance. Uh, The Bible does not present the confusion that sometimes surrounds baptism today. The Bible is very clear of what baptism is, who it is for, and what it accomplishes. Namely, only believers who had placed their faith in Christ were baptized. It was a public profession or a public testimony of what the Lord had done in their lives. Uh, We see this, for example, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, after Peter preaches, um, people say to him, "What, what do we do? Like, what do we do with the information you've just given us? And Peter said to them, this is Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But the point there is Peter says, repent and be baptized. Uh, Baptism is always associated with 
faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. And that's why baptism isn't for babies. That's not me saying there's some sort of an age of accountability or that God doesn't save babies. Not at all. I'm just saying that baptism comes after someone has made a credible profession of faith, after their eyes have been opened to the truth of Scripture, and a baby can't communicate where they stand with the gospel. Uh, Infant baptism is just not a biblical practice because an infant cannot place his or her faith in Christ, or at least cannot verbalize that they have done that. They're not making a conscious decision to walk with the Lord. Uh, They can't understand what the baptism symbolizes. Um, And there's no recorded instance of infants being baptized. Sometimes there's an appeal made to Acts chapter 16 and the conversion of Lydia, where she is baptized. And then verse 15 says, and after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And there is an assumption, a massive assumption that when it says, and her household as well was baptized, that, well, certainly that would include babies or that would include young children. And uh, that's just a massive assumption and really reading into the text and uh, goes against what we see in other portions of scripture that show us that um, baptism is always associated with someone who has made a profession of faith or who has repented because of what they've understood in the gospel. And I think it's not just, uh, so, so let me, let me back up. This is not heretical. This is not heresy. Like we were talking about before with baptismal regeneration, because this does not attack the gospel. This is not an affront on justification. Uh, people who are Presbyterian who believe in, uh, pedo baptism are not saying that baptism is saving people. So it's not a heresy, but I do believe that it is, uh, an error. I also think it's an error when it comes to, uh, Uh, the sources of authority that are appealed to to make the case for infant baptism. So usually, at least it's been my experience, that when I'm talking to uh, my Presbyterian brothers and sisters, which are friends, um, usually there's an appeal made to Scripture to connect it to Old Testament circumcision. So since Presbyterians embrace what is called Old Covenant theology, there is necessarily uh, a need to connect Uh, to see continuity between the Old and New Testaments. And so, therefore, what symbolized entrance into the Abrahamic covenant um, was necessarily, uh, we now need a symbol to uh, show that somebody's now a part of the New Covenant. Uh, And there was circumcision in the Old Testament, so um, sometimes infant baptism, I've referred to it as, and I think others have as well, the circumcision of the New Testament. But the bottom line is, we just don't see it uh, in the text. And like I said, um, it's not a heresy, but it's simply not in the scriptures. The New Testament nowhere describes baptism as a new covenant replacement for Old Testament circumcision, and nowhere describes baptism as a sign of the new covenant. Um, uh, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 25, in the same way, also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. That was a symbol of the new covenant. Second uh, Corinthians three and verse six talks about the fact that we've been made sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. We're not part of the old covenant. We're part of a new covenant. The Bible uses that word in calling, uh, the covenant 
of grace uh, and mercy, a new covenant. Hebrews chapter 9 says that Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Elsewhere in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews refers to it as the new and better covenant. Folks, we're not under the old covenant anymore. The old is gone. The new has come. And um, that's what the Bible presents uh, as far as uh, how we stand today as New Testament Christians. But oftentimes, as I was saying before, when I'm talking to people, they make an appeal to certain scriptures. Those scriptures really don't stand up. And then there's an appeal to something like the Westminster Confession or the fact that godly men of old have seen this. So it's kind of like, even if you don't see it in the text, look at how many other people have seen it. Look at the godly men who have believed this. Look at uh, and they'll list people who are godly, godly men who believe in paedobaptism. And I appreciate that, but the best of men are men at best. And if you don't see it in the scriptures, you shouldn't do it just because a bunch of other people have done it. And I feel like it's putting confessions, which I'm not against, I think they're very valuable and useful, confessions or history and tradition uh, above what we see in the scriptures since there seems to be a silence in the scriptures when it comes to pedo-baptism, then we have to appeal outside of the scriptures to that, and that's never a good practice. I remember being at T4G back in 2016, uh, Kevin DeYoung, great author, phenomenal preacher and teacher, um, I've benefited from so many of his teachings, so many of his books, said something, I think it was just like off the cuff, because it was very, it didn't really hold water, and it wasn't like him to say this, but he kind of was chest-bumping uh, Baptists and saying how we always say there's no scriptural evidence of paedo-baptism. And he said, well, you know what? I also don't see baby dedications in the scriptures. Uh, and you guys do that. And I think he was mostly kidding, but it was a pretty poor argument because those two things are nowhere near the same. For example, I believe that parent-child dedications or baby dedications, it's like a family tradition. It's a church family tradition to celebrate the new babies that the church has been blessed with since the last time they did that. And um, it's just a celebration. It's not saying they're part of any covenant. It's not uh, taking a biblical practice of baptism and inserting it into that moment. Um, and here's the other thing. What if I were to look back at Kevin Young and say, all right, Kev, well, guess what? How about I'll stop? Like, I won't do a baby dedication this year. So let's, if it's the same as baby dedication, let's put those things side by side. I'll just not do baby dedication this year because I think it's just a tradition and it's fun, but we could skip it. Um, would he then skip paedo-baptism? And of course, the answer is no, because he believes that it is a practice for New Testament believers. So I didn't think it was a really helpful uh, a helpful comparison, personally. But baptism um, is not for babies. Baptism is for believers. And that's the next point, and I'm not going to belabor it because I kind of covered it in this point. Baptism is for believers. Every time you see baptism in the New Testament, read throughout the book of Acts, look at where baptism is discussed, and you will see it connected with repentance or faith or belief in Christ. And when people believe, they are baptized. Once again, I hope this is helpful as you consider these things, particularly if you're considering participating in our baptism service, which is coming up on the Sunday before uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, consider joining our baptism class, which is going to start on Monday evening. That's Monday, October 8th, 6.30 at the church in Fort Thomas. It's a great opportunity for you to learn about baptism, for you just to explore, see what the Bible has to say about baptism and if this step of obedience in your faith is important for you to make at this time. And you know what? If you want to talk about it, Pastor Aaron or I would be happy to have that conversation with you as you continue to navigate this important decision in your walk with Christ. Christ.